This morning, if you were here this morning, you know we talked about, does anybody remember what, the, what we talked about this morning? Does anybody remember? What did we talk about? Missions. The message, the message, uh, the message of missions, the gospel. And we talked about that uh, that message um, had been has, is a message for the whole world to hear. And God, we 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 uh, I hope that I explained clearly that uh, concerning that message, God is looking for people who are willing to declare it. God is looking for people who are willing to take that message to the world and declare that message to the world. And um, that message is is powerful enough to save anybody that will believe it. And God is not, God doesn't, uh, God's not counting, the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. And that was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And... Um, God has given every one of us a purpose, and we don't want to be like Saul when it's our time to fulfill that purpose and not be able to be found and hide ourselves among the stuff as Saul did. And so tonight, we're going to talk about God's method when it comes to missions. God's method when it comes to missions. Now, I'm not going to run the references on everything I'm going to share with you tonight. Uh, some of this stuff I'm going to uh, trust that you will look up or that some of it you already know. Um, but I'm going to give you some uh, an overview of some things that God has done throughout history um, and then try to bring it into us present day and figure out what, what it means for us here today. So just think back with me uh, for now, all the way back to the book of Genesis. Okay? In the book of Genesis, we're talking about God's method uh, when it comes to missions. And that is to get the what is God's method when it comes to getting the message to the world. Okay? That's what we're talking about. So if you think back to the book of Genesis, the Bible, uh, God had Noah, right? Noah was a preacher of righteousness, right? So when it came time for God's message to go out, the method that he chose was to use a man named Noah, correct? Mm -hmm. and, and from Noah, uh, and we're not going to speak of every single person, okay? But it was Noah. Then uh, you could look at the nation of Israel, uh, who was to carry the glory of God, and it, was, it, was, it became the nation of Israel's job to get that glory into all the world. Um, but more specifically for what we're going to look at tonight, you come through there, and I just I, I wrote some of these names down. You had Jonah. Jonah was a man in the Bible that God had a specific purpose for, and that was to take the message of, uh, to the people of Nineveh. And there again, God had a man selected for a specific purpose. Then uh, you had Isaiah, you had Jeremiah, you had Ezekiel, you had Micah, you had Malachi. All of those people were men in the Old Testament who were responsible for delivering God's message to a specific group of people. We're all, that we can all agree on that tonight, right? And so God's method has not changed one bit. God's, 
uh, the way that God has chosen to get His message, whatever His message is at that particular time in history, on, on His timeline, whatever that message is at that particular time, God has always chosen to use men to get that message to the world. Okay? Now, recently I was in a service at our home church, and our pastor is teaching through the book of Genesis. And he is, uh, he's only teaching, actually, he's only teaching to uh, chapter 11 this time. He's not going to teach the whole book. He's just teaching up to chapter 11. And it was the first time that I'd been in a service there uh, for several months, but just so happened the other night, it was after uh, Noah and his family had, uh, they had reached the dry ground after the, after the flood. Everything was getting back to normal. And it was talking about uh, how that... Uh, the curse on, on Canaan is going to be a servant and all that stuff. But he mentioned uh, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, okay? And then I got to thinking about this from that point on. You know, in Genesis chapter 11, now he's not gotten this far, but it sparked a thought when he started mentioning those three groups of people, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, okay? That's the descendants of that's, that's the descendants of Noah, right? Well, in Genesis chapter 11, up until that point, everybody was together in one place, right? And in Genesis chapter 11, God confounded the languages and dispersed everybody, correct? So you had Ham, he went this way. Shem, he went this way. And Japheth, he went this way, right? Your uh, Ham, where'd they go? Africa, right? Shem, Asia, and Japheth, Europe, okay? And that all happened. So then I got to thinking, okay, so up to that point, Noah was, it, it was one, it was, it was easy for God's message to be delivered to Shem, Ham, and Japheth because they were Noah's sons. So what did God do after Genesis chapter 11? Because God's plan for his glory and his message to go into all the world didn't change just because of that. And that's where you see God started sending men to different places to those uh, to reach all three of those descendants of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And you can look through the Old Testament and you can find a point in time where God had a king or a messenger, a prophet, whatever, who addressed sometimes at the same time or different times those three groups of people, which we're, I mean, us in here today, everybody that I'm seeing, would be descendants of Japheth, Japheth, right? We're not Hamites and we're not, we're not uh, Shemites. We're, we're, we would be descendants of Japheth. Is that right? I believe, we're, I believe that's right. Uh, the people that came to America was from Europe, Western Europe, and they came over and that's, that's where we all, that's all of our descendants. So all through time, God's method has been using a man and sending a man to those different people groups, right? Well, that's, you, you, can, you can see that through the Old Testament and you just look at the Old Testament prophets, okay? So I thought, I got to thinking, well, what happened... In the New Testament, because we know in the New Testament, after the ascension of Jesus Christ, his commission to the 12 disciples was 
Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Right? That's what he told them. But then, on the day of Pentecost, all the, everybody come, God gathered the nations together on the day of Pentecost, and Peter stood and preached, and then after that, kind of everybody mingled around Jerusalem, and then God sent persecution, and once again, the people scattered. Right? Well, I started looking into this and thinking about God's method. So then I started studying the book of Acts, which is really the most accurate piece of church history that we can hold in our hand. That's the book of Acts. If you want to know the true history of the early church, you're going to find it in the book of Acts. Everything that's written outside of the scripture, um, it's, it's all based on history and it's not inspired. This is the only inspired piece of literature that we can hold in our hand that gives us church history of the early church. So studying through the book of Acts, I started studying the content of the sermons that was preached by the apostles. That's what I started studying. What was the content? And I noticed that each message, each sermon that was preached had the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So then I began to look farther, and then I noticed something, and that's what I want to share with you tonight concerning God's, uh, God's method and the fact that it's not changed, okay? You know, in the Old Testament, you think about the things that, that God told Jeremiah and Ezekiel to do, and they did it. They just did it, right? And... Those guys didn't have a complete canon of Scripture like we have. They were not able to hold all 66 books of the Bible in their hand. Uh, we have a, if we're saved, if you're saved here this evening, you have the permanent dwelling of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you that you're able to yield yourself to. We have, we have, the, we have the Scriptures. We have everything. And, you know, I think about some of the stuff that uh, Ezekiel and Jeremiah was told to do uh, you know, what all God told them to do. But they didn't think twice about it. They had a, there was an element of obedience that, and reverence for, for what God was telling them to do. They just did it. They didn't give any thought to it. And that, that kind of that bothers me, and I thought some of that might be lost, but then I started reading about some guys of the early church, and that's what we're going to look at tonight. And they, had a, they, had a, they, obeyed, they just obeyed God. But the point, I don't want you to forget the point. The point is to show you God's method, okay? God's method. Now, everything I've said might not have that much to do with what I'm actually going to say concerning the method, but I think it's important to have that in your mind when it comes to looking at what we're about to talk about because, uh, you know, people, people think that this... Sometimes people will get it in their mind that, that the idea of missions is something that God just started, to, to, as far as reaching the nations with his message, started after Christ. It, God's, been, God's been dealing with men since the beginning of time. And the point that you'll see tonight is God has always had a man to do it. Okay? You can think about Moses, uh, Aaron, I mean, all, Joshua. It's, it's all there, Elijah. All right? So let's go to Acts chapter 8, and I want to show you one of the first examples. 
You know, some people will say, uh, I've heard people say that God, if he wanted to get the message, you know, he could do it himself or he can send an angel or, or some of that stuff. You know, there's people that believe that. There's people that uh, believe that uh, when it comes to the gospel now, that uh, angels can, can preach that. But, but I, don't, I think we're going to see tonight that uh, God's method is not angels and God's method is men, okay? Acts chapter 8, uh, verse, let's pick up in, uh, let's pick up in verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now, why Philip's, the angel of the Lord is telling Philip to leave Jerusalem. There's a great revival taking place in Jerusalem. And go down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Arise and go. That's what he said in verse number 26, right? What's the next verse? 27. What's it say? And he arose and went. You know, God's method's not changed. God was telling Philip, to arise and go. And Philip arose and went. God's still telling people to arise and go. But not everybody arises and goes. We learned that this morning looking at Saul. Not everybody goes when God tells them to go. Not everybody arises. The point is, God said arise and go. Philip arose and went. And behold... A man of Ethiopia, all right, who, Ethiopia, who's that? That's Africa. That's Ham. Okay? That's Ham. A eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning... So he had been to Jerusalem to worship. He'd just come from church. If you'd have asked him, he would have told you he was a Christian, probably. Now I'm putting this in today's terms. He was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Now why didn't the Spirit or the angel just do this? Why did the angel go to Philip and tell the, tell Philip to go and go and do it? Why didn't the, why didn't the angel just do it? Because that's not God's method. And the Bible says uh, in verse thirty, and Philip ran thither to him. He couldn't get there fast enough, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, "Understandest thou what thou readest?" So there's a communication that starts between this man and uh, between Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And, and in verse 31, he said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before the shearer, so he opened not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment, was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. That sounds like what we read this morning. Verse 34, And the eunuch answered, Philip, and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or some other man? Verse 35. 
We're talking about God's method. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. What's God's method? It's for men to arise and go, join themselves to someone who is looking for something, and open their mouth and preach Jesus. That's God's method. When God wanted to reach Ham with the gospel, He sent a man, and that man went, and he adjoined himself to the Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot and began at the same scripture and opened his mouth and preached unto him Jesus. Now you go on and read the rest of the story and the eunuch gets saved. What's God's method? He tells men to arise and go. Men are to obey when God says to arise and go. And they are to open their mouth and preach Jesus Christ. How does God want to reach Ham with the gospel? By sending men from wherever to wherever they are and then, and then that man to go and open his mouth and preach Jesus. By the way, it's interesting to me that the work had already been initiated before Philip ever got there. That eunuch was already reading the scriptures, trying to figure out what was being said, but he said, I can't understand this except some, some man should guide me, except some man should show me. God had already started that work, uh, had already started dealing with that Ethiopian eunuch before Philip had ever got there. Do you know how many times in Sierra Leone we would go to a village and, and someone would say, we have been praying. I've, I heard this several times. We would go to a village we had never been to before and someone would say, we have been praying for at least three or four years that God would send us a missionary. When God says arise and go, we need to go and we need to preach Jesus. And that was God's method here in Acts chapter 8. So that's Ham. Now go to Acts chapter uh, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Verse number 1. And Saul... Alright, now who's Saul? That's Paul. Is he Shem or Japheth? He's Shem. So we've, we've saw how God's... We've saw that... Uh, we've looked at God's way of reaching Ham... Now let's look at the way that God decided to reach Shem, okay? This is Paul, right? This is the, well, this is Saul before he was Paul. This is, we know who we're talking about here. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. And Saul, so this is Shem, okay? Yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said unto him, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now watch. 
And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told. The Lord didn't tell him necessarily what to do. He, he told him where to go. He said, And it shall be told thee what thou must do. See, the Lord never did tell Paul what to do. He said, I'm gonna I want you to go to this city, and when you get to that city, then you'll find out what you must do. Now watch. Verse 7, And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. All right? And he was three days without sight. Neither did he eat, uh, neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias... He said, Behold, I am here, Lord. All right, now here's God's servant. Okay? What's God's method? It's a man. Ananias. Yes, Lord. All right, now watch. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul. Now, God had just got done telling Saul... Go to the city, and when you get there, then it will be told to you what to do. Okay? Now, Jesus Christ, God, is calling, he's speaking to Ananias, okay? Ananias is the servant of the Lord. Ananias is the messenger right now. And the Lord said unto Ananias, he's talking to Ananias, arise and go. All right? You see that? Verse number 11. Go in the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tars, Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen a vision, a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hands on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call out thy name. And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show, unto him, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And, verse 17, now watch, And Ananias went. God told Ananias to go, arise, and go. That's in verse 11. Verse 17, And Ananias went, his way and entered into the house and and putting his hands on him said there's the message what's god's method arise and go the man is to go and when he gets where he's going he's to start speaking brother Saul the lord even jesus that appeared unto thee in the same way as thou camest hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. I'm not going to debate with anybody on when Saul got saved. I don't know if it was before uh, when, he, when, when Saul asked the Lord what he should do, but, it, but he didn't get the Holy Ghost until after God's message from his messenger reached him. And that's in verse number 18. Uh, verse 17, sorry. It, it wasn't until Ananias had told 
Saul what Jesus Christ had told Ananias to tell him that Saul uh, was filled with the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 8 says if you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you're not one of His. And that's when he was filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter uh, 9 verse 17. I'm not going to debate anybody when he was saved. All I'm telling you is the Holy Ghost showed up when God's man preached God's message. You see that? So how does God want to reach Shem with the gospel? Did you know that Jesus Christ could have told Saul everything that he needed to know? You've heard people say, uh, you know, the Lord could do this, but he's left us here to do it. Well, right here's proof of it. The Lord could have easily told Saul. He could have, he could have completely left Ananias out of it. He didn't have to tell Saul to go over to Damascus, and he didn't have to tell Ananias to go to Saul and talk to him. The Lord could have done every bit of that right there whenever he had, when, when him and Saul was conversing back and forth with one another. But God didn't do that. That's not God's method. God's method is to tell a man to arise and go. And he expects that man to arise and go. And when that man reaches the point that God told him to go, so far, both cases, as soon as they reached that point, they started speaking the message that God had told them to take. You see that? That's God's method. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, verse number 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian Band, <laughs> a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. You know, people will say that God doesn't hear the prayers of a lost man. Well, he heard Cornelius pray. says right there, uh, Said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. They, God heard what he was saying. Now, that don't mean he was listening. And it don't mean that he had the same access uh, as far as prayer as you and I have who've been, who've been uh, given that access to the, to the throne of grace through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Paul, it came up to him. He heard, or Cornelius, he heard what he said. Now look, verse 5. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Cornelius has been praying. He's been given money. And that came up before God, and God said, You know what? I'm going to start putting pieces together, and I'm going to make it, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to get Cornelius over there to Simon, whose surname is Peter. Who's Peter? That's God's, that's God's man. That's God's preacher. And so God begins to work behind the scenes to get this man who is praying and is given alms, who is a devout man who is genuinely trying to seek out God. God is going to start working behind the scenes to get the man that's searching for light, the man that is searching for truth, in contact with God's messenger 
who has the truth, which is Peter. This is God's method. All right? He's going to tell him what thou oughtest to do. Um, and when the angel spake unto Cornelius, when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called to the household servants and devout soldiers of them and waited on him continually. And we're not going to go all through this. Skip down to verse 19. While Peter thought on the vision, well, sorry, let's see. The vision comes to Peter. Peter, Peter doubted it, uh, that he, what it should mean, um, that, that there would be men sent from Cornelius, and they had made an inquiry in verse 17 for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed as Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. So when they get there, the Spirit of God starts speaking to Peter and saying that there's three men that seek thee. Look at verse 20. What's it say? Arise, therefore, and get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Don't even second guess this. He said, don't, don't second guess it. What did Peter do? Verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius and said, Behold, I am he whom ye seek. What is the cause wherefore you are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of Jews, was warned by God, warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house and to hear the words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them. Certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the uh, morrow after they entered into Caesarea and Cornelius waited for them and he had called together his kinsmen and near friends. See, it started out just one man searching and by the time it's all said and done, there's a whole group of people and there's his kinsmen and there's some near friends that's going to be standing by. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took up saying, saying, stand up, I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. See, there's a whole group of people. And he said unto them, what's the point? There was a man that was searching. And God's method, method was arise and go. And the man went. And when he reached the point that God had told him to go to, he opened up his mouth. He started talking. He started speaking, and uh, you can we could we could go through the rest of the passage, uh, but uh, if you if you look at verse thirty four, uh, Peter opened his mouth. It talks of him opening his mouth, and then if you'll read down through there, you'll find that Peter starts uh, giving them the gospel. And in verse forty four, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them on all them which heard the word. So people get saved when they hear the gospel. So that's Japheth. So how does God want to reach Ham? He wants to send somebody to Africa. How does God want to reach Shem? He wants to send somebody to Asia. How does God want to reach Japheth? He wants to send somebody to Europe. How does God want to reach your next door neighbor? <laughs> he wants to send you. 
He says, rise and go. You've got the message. We talked about that this morning. Now this is the method. It's a rise and go. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, turn over there with me if you would. We're almost done. Does what I've told you so far make sense? Y'all picking up what I'm putting down? 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. The Bible says in verse 21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness, look, by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I know that it might sound like a foolish thing <laughs> to go and find someone to talk to and tell them about Jesus Christ. That sounds like a foolish thing. It really does. Let's just be honest about it. It sounds a little foolish. It sounds a little crazy. It sounds a little, you know, I mean, it just sounds a little weird. But if you look at verse number 18, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolish. Most people that look at it as foolishness are the ones that are perishing. And there are, some, there are some saved people that have no peace, they have no joy, they have no walk with God, and on the inside they're dead as a hammer, and it just seems foolishness. It just seems foolish unto them to go and work with this. But then the Bible does say, But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. It's the power of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The Bible says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it... It's the gospel. It's the power of God unto, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So, the preaching of the cross and the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I understand it might seem foolish to take a Friday and go do public ministry. I understand that. But God has always from the beginning of humanity, been putting his finger on men's shoulders and saying, Arise and go. He's, he's been doing that since the beginning of time. This is, a, this is something that I, you can try all you want to to get rid of. You're not going to get rid of it. God, since the beginning of time, has told people to arise and go. And when you look at, at, at three examples of all three people groups, God's method for reaching the world, whether you're no matter whether you're a whether you're a you're a descendant of Ham, if you're a descendant of Shem, or if you're a descendant of Japheth, the method is exactly the same. Was there any difference between those three was there any difference? No. God's method for reaching the world is consistent. It's the same no matter who you are. Some people will say, well, you can't go to Asia. They won't, they won't respond to the gospel. Well, they did in the book of Acts. Some people say, well, you can't go to Africa. It's just too hard. You can't talk to... Uh, we're not live streaming, so I can say this. You, you, you can't go witness to black people. They're not going to listen to anything you've got to say. They did in the book of Acts. That Ethiopian eunuch did. He was glad to hear... <laughs> he was glad to hear what uh, Philip had to say. 
So much so that it didn't take him but just a minute once he got the understanding to believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. People say, boy, uh, them, them uh, Japhethites, they're the, uh, you know, that would be us, Gentiles. We seek after a lot of wisdom. We're hard to win, boy. You got, they, people, they ask, you know, ask too many questions. You can't deal with them. You don't want to go to Europe. You don't want to deal with those. They're, they're too, they, they, they require too much. Well, Cornelius didn't. He just, he just wanted some truth. And God sent a man to give him the truth. God's method has not changed. God's method from the beginning of time has always been to tell men to arise and go. I remember that one time uh, in the book of Jeremiah, it just came to my mind. Uh, God told Jeremiah, arise. And Jeremiah's response was, ah, Lord God. A-H. He said, ah, Lord God. You want me to do that? But that's what God told him to do. And that's what Jeremiah did. And uh, you can look at Romans chapter 10. Uh, you, you know the verses. You've been, you've been taught this. I'm sure Brother Jimmy has taught you this. I'm not giving you anything you've never heard tonight. But the Bible does say in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Uh, and how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That Ethiopian eunuch, he was looking for a preacher. Saul was told of the Lord, go to that city, and when you get there, there'll be a man, and he'll tell you what you need to know. And Ananias, one of the, one of the disciples, came and told Saul everything he needed to know. He heard, he believed, and then you got Cornelius. I think that pretty well encompasses the world, Right? What did we say this morning? The message was for the world. Now, why would God give a message for the world that would work for the whole world if there wasn't a method for reaching the world? And that method is the same. Red, brown, yellow, black, or white. They're all precious in His sight. God's method is just as universal as the message, and it's for the whole world. Amen? Amen. Amen.